You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. It is certainly no secret to any of us that 2020 was just a strange year for theater, full of disappointment and heartbreak, and Broadway was hard hit, so much so that the Tony Awards were actually canceled for the first time in their history. Like theater in general last year, for most of the summer and into the fall, there was actually very little mention of the Tony Awards. Until finally, at the end of October, surprisingly, nominations came out. And so in the first week of November 2020, I brought on conductor and musical director Nate Patton to talk with me about the nominations and the status of the awards themselves. So with the Tony Award ceremony finally happening and right around the corner, I wanted to do a rewind of that previous conversation with Nate. But this time you have a choice of listening or watching our conversation. So look for that YouTube link in the show notes. It is a lighthearted but honest conversation on both the strange and wonderful events surrounding the 2020 nominations. And Nate definitely holds no punches. I don't think they should have had them. I think that they should have done some acknowledgement of what they thought was excellent. I think it's an unprecedented situation, and I think it should have been handled in an unprecedented way. Hello, and welcome to a special Rewind episode of Why I'll Never Make It, one of Feedspot's top 25 theater podcasts. To stay up to date with all things podcast happening, you can join the WinMe newsletter by going to whyillnevermakeit.com. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, host of this podcast, and I am so happy to introduce you to music director, conductor, and fellow podcaster, Nate Patton. Nate and I first met when he was associate conducting Charlie and the Chocolate Factory on Broadway. He also has his own podcast called Booked It. I have joined the Broadway community so that the powerful can no longer beat up on people who cannot defend themselves. Nobody knows Broadway better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. And this is the kind of witty, tongue-in-cheek, and knowledgeable opinions that I wanted to bring on the show today to talk about these Tony nominations. The lone Best Actor nomination of Aaron DeVate, the complete snubbing of The Lightning Thief, only plays being nominated for Best Original Score. (laughs) Nate and I will get into all of this as well as what the nominations in general say about the state of theater today, and we'll even make a few Tony predictions. So let's get down to it. Here is Nate Patton and myself giving our two cents on the 2020 Tony Award nominations. Oh my God, I'm I'm so happy to share my opinion because apparently I've never stopped doing that anyway. So, uh, <laughs> well, why don't we start off with just the general overview? What was your impression of the nominations when they came out? Just what was your overall thought? Well, first of all, they came out so late yeah. because they. Um, well, I mean, obviously they were supposed to come out. You know, they would come out in May or something. But I'm saying even after they announced that there would be a Tony Awards, they made this big announcement over the summer. They said the Tonys will be in the fall. And then just 
there were months of radio silence. Nothing. So uh, yeah. nothing. So, uh, so already off the bat, I was like, are they even going to do this? I was thinking that they were just going to like pretend they never said it. So when they finally made the announcement, I said, I, I was almost surprised they even actually did them. So when they came out, I, I think I said this on my own podcast, I'm normally so in touch with this stuff. I was always following the Tonys. I always, I, I you know, I wake up to watch them normally And this year, someone texted me at 11 a.m. on that day. And they said, you know, the Tony nominations come out at noon. And I said, they do? Right. Right. No one knew. I had no idea. It was the first time in my life, probably since I was a baby, that I didn't follow the nomination. So I, I think they were just so under the radar this year because of everything. Well, I think that that also goes to the fact that they still don't even know when the Tonys are happening. They're like maybe December or like they don't. They don't I'm not sure exactly what they're waiting for since they're going to be on Zoom. Are they right? waiting? For, are they waiting for Aaron Tveit's internet service to get fixed? Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! I don't yeah. know what 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 could the what could they're not. It's not like they're waiting on Radio City. Yeah, they literally could do it anytime, any anywhere. Yeah. It's it's kind of crazy. Kind or they crazy. could record it. I mean, no, there's there's so many ways to do it. It doesn't make any sense. Well, let's, I mean, since you brought up Mr. Tveit, let's just go ahead and go with that. So there is only one, one nomination for Best Actor. I was looking back and I think it was the uh, the 95 Tonys. The 95 Tonys are are similar in a lot of ways to this one. In the fact that there was only two that year. It was Glenn Close and Rebecca Luker, I believe. Nominees. Yeah, this was Sunset, Sunset Boulevard, right? Yeah, so that's how far back you have to go to, to kind of get to where the, the nominations were very sparse. And to, go ahead. It was, a, it was a little worse then, I suppose, because at least we have the pandemic as an excuse as to why there's no nominees. Right. They, they, they had two nominees and they didn't have a coronavirus outbreak. So that was just a bad year of theater. This wasn't necessarily a bad year of theater. It was just, you know, this is just what happened. Yeah. Now, now, what are your thoughts on that whole cutoff date of, of February 19th? It seemed very arbitrary to me, but they, you know, their, their line is, well, we want to make sure that all of our voting members could have seen these shows. I, I have racked my brain personally for a reason behind that exact cutoff date. And I can't find one. I've also asked everyone I've ever met in the business, where did that cutoff date come from? I've yet to hear an answer. Maybe there is one. I'm not saying they don't have a good reason because I don't want to be corrected. Like I just had no idea, but I, I, I don't know where that date came from. All I know is that it was the day before West Side Story would be eligible. Right, right. So had they done the 20th instead of the 19th, West Correct. Side Story would be eligible. So there was obviously a reason for that. that that's it's not hard just... for me. It's hard for me to not imagine that West Side Story's eligibility was not in one way or another where the date came from. Because yeah. it was so it was so specific. The date that they even picked was in the middle of a week. It, 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 it made no sense to me. So I, if you're asking my, my gut instinct, I, I do think that they did not want West Side Story to be eligible. I'm not really here to comment on necessarily why, because I'm not a Tony, uh, I'm right. not on the Tony committee, obviously, but I do think it was based around um, either a distaste for people involved in West Side Story or the controversy <laughs> surrounding it. And yeah, I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not here to make that call. But it's really hard for me to think that it, there wasn't some personal investment in the date. 
That controversy I was referring to was in reference to West Side Story having cast Amar Ramasar in one of the lead roles of Bernardo, who is the Sharks' gang leader. He has been at the center of a Me Too scandal since 2018, when he was a principal dancer at the New York City Ballet. Now, at that time, he and two other male dancers in the ballet company were accused of sharing sexually explicit photos of other female dancers. In fact, when West Side Story opened, there were protesters outside the theater, holding up signs and calling for the removal of Ramasar. But that actually wasn't the only controversy for this revival production of Leonard Bernstein's classic musical. In the months after this conversation with Nate, one of the producers of West Side Story, Scott Rudin, was hit with allegations of abusive and bullying workplace behavior. He was forced and eventually voluntarily stepped down from his theater and film productions, including the upcoming revival of The Music Man. The revival of West Side Story, however, doesn't have such a bright future. It announced in August 2021 that it would not be reopening on Broadway. So whether it was the Tony nominating committee that chose not to include West Side Story within the eligible dates, or possibly the production itself asked to not be considered, it is likely that this contemporary adaptation of West Side Story, directed by Ivo Van Hove, will largely be forgotten. But also, that would have meant it would have been the only nominee or potential nominee for Revival. So then that would have meant that it would have likely have won, much like Aaron DeVete might win outright. I mean, let's hope he wins, because if, well, he, does, if, if he doesn't win, but this what is a what, slap this in is the what face I, to him. I know, and this is what I wanted to ask you, because, okay, this is just a weird year. I also think that there should have been other nominees. They should have found a way that maybe, you know, Danny Bernstein could have done it for Moulin Rouge. They, they also could have just like bumped him up to a main character as opposed to support. You know, I just feel like that there are ways that there are other ways to get nominees in there. So it wasn't just him alone. Yeah. But why should somebody, but why should somebody who's clearly in a featured part all of a sudden now have to contend as the leading actress? I really right. I'm, I'm just shooting in the dark. I'm yeah, just trying no, to like think, uh, but I agree. Do you think that, voters should or would take a stand and not vote Aaron DeVate to get the award since he's the only nominee, since this is a weird season, since there's so many shows that aren't eligible? Well, I I certainly can't speak for anybody else, but what I can say is that if I were fortunate enough to be a Tony voter, I would definitely give him the award. If I were voting myself, I would. Okay. Um, For a few reasons. First of all, I I think he was really good in the show. But second of all, it's just, it, it would be truly a slap in the face to not award him, I think, because you can't fault him for being in this precarious situation. Definitely not his fault. It's, it's just, it would, I, I feel like all, it would just be a really embarrassing, humiliating situation to him if he lost a Tony to himself. So I would never want, I don't think anybody should be subjected to that humiliation, especially when this isn't his fault. Like he did, it's, he had nothing to do with this. So why, why should he be publicly humiliated by becoming the person who lost a Tony to himself? With, with that said, if they had nominated somebody that I really felt was, it was ridiculous that that person was nominated for a Tony, whether because of the size of their role um, or, you know, for whatever reason, 
then maybe I wouldn't vote for them. But in this particular instance, I would vote for I would I would vote to get from the Tony because okay. remember he has to get sixty percent of the vote. Right, right. So so they do legitimately have to vote for him to to give it to him. So if if he doesn't reach the sixty percent threshold, then he doesn't. And 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 you talk about a slap in the face, and I think the biggest one goes to Lightning Thief, which got no nominations. It also was the only original musical within that eligible season as they as they gave it and wasn't nominated for original score wasn't nominated for it so basically just nothing now what are your thoughts on that i mean my thoughts are that it would never have been nominated if it was in the regular season well uh, because it wasn't even nominated this time so but i'm not sure it's a slap in the face to lightning thief i mean i i've said that it is a big slap in the face to them and i suppose it's just that it just sucks for Lightning Thief. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that anyone did wrong to Lightning Thief. I don't necessarily think that Lightning Thief deserved 12 Tony nominations. But I do think that it was just, it just was an unfortunately embarrassing situation for them. If all of the other shows had been not been eligible and they didn't get any nominations, that might be disappointing, but it wouldn't be humiliating. Because I've looked, I've been a part of shows that didn't get nominated for anything, but in a big season. And, you know, you're like, oh, whatever. But it's not humiliating because there were other great shows. It's just that in this particular year, there was no other competition. So it's really embarrassing, I think. Yeah. And, and you know, yes, it got very mixed to bad reviews as far as the Broadway production. The off-Broadway production got rave reviews. However, once it moved to Broadway, then it didn't fare so well. Did, I'm not sure how that makes any sense, but if, unless it's being reviewed by different people. Or, or, or maybe they just did some weird changes that the production was small and intimate and great, and then it just sure. literally blew up when they went to, to Broadway. But, um, but I did read that the lead character himself did get some, some fairly good reviews within the context of, of, of a badly reviewed show. Now, do you think that he at least could have been pulled out. I mean, it would have given Aaron Tveit some some competition, quote unquote. I didn't see The Lightning Thief either. So which is why I'm really just speaking about this hypothetically about right. it being a slap in the face as opposed to weighing in my opinion. So I really can't, I can't weigh in on how good some of these performance was if I didn't see the show. I, I'm not going to be the person, people do this a surprising amount. They're like, oh, well, you know it was terrible. I'm like, okay, well, did you see it? No. But I'm like, but don't say it was terrible and don't say right. it was good either. You know, I, form an opinion for yourself. So I'm not going to, I didn't see it. I'm not going to give an opinion on whether he was good or not because that's what, how, he doesn't deserve that. I didn't see him. But I do stand by that this is a Tony Award. It should carry with it a great distinction and a very high honor. And I don't think it should be given to someone by default. So if they don't think that, this person was deserving of a Tony nomination, then I say good for them for holding up the standard. Now, do you think that this year's award though are going to hold that standard? Or do you think that all of these awards like Aaron Tveit's will get an asterisk next to it? I don't know. I think that whether there's an asterisk next to it or a proverbial asterisk next to it will be a different thing. That's a great question because why would they put an asterisk next to it? I mean, I know why, but that doesn't seem fair to someone who was deserving of the Tony anyway. Yeah. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. why would, like, the, I can think, I mean, for example, 
Mary Louise Parker in The Sound Inside. I, th- I thought that performance was just so absolutely brilliant. So she deserves a Tony for that. She deserves a Tony if there were 500 shows nominated. So why would she get an asterisk next to her name for this Tony Award? It's not right. I understand what you're asking, of course. Yeah, because going back to the 95 Tonys, the Lightning Thief is kind of what where the parallel really strikes because Sunset Boulevard was the only original musical that whole season. Again, that was just a very sparse season, had nothing to do with a pandemic, but it was the only original. And suffice to say, Sunset Boulevard is not Andrew Lloyd Webber's best musical. And some people think he doesn't have a best musical. But that being said, that is certainly not his best work, but yet it was the only original work. And so it was up for best original score and best book because it was the only musical in in that category and it won both of those. So there is something to be said that simply because of this weird truncated season, very arbitrarily set as far as the February 19th date, that Lightning Thief could have for, for sheer being the only one could have risen up and be like, okay, well, vote on it if you think. This is the only one eligible. Vote on it if you think. Again, it would have to reach the 60% threshold. That's a possibility. That's why I say slap in the face, because it was basically saying to Lightning Thief, we won't even nominate you when there's no other choice. I mean, <laughs> right. that, that's what I, I mean, again, I haven't seen it, but that's why it's a slap in the face. Right, because I'm 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 hearing from people who did see it that that they're like we see why it wasn't nominated even in this shortened season. Yeah, because it still carries with it a very high honor. The Pulitzer Prize, for example, the Pulitzer Prize has on multiple occasions not given out a Pulitzer Prize on a certain year. They just said, you know what, you all suck, <laughs> and they don't give one out. So I have, I've always respected the Pulitzer Committee for that in a really great way because they said just because it's a year where there's not a lot of competition doesn't mean we're going to give one to a play that really doesn't deserve it. So do you think then that they should have just not had a best original score category? Um, I think that they should have had one as they did because I do think that some of the writing for the plays, which would be eligible in that category, were really outstanding. So I, don't, I think some of those were Tony nominee worthy. To have the category completely eliminated would imply that none of those plays were deserving of any uh, accolades. But it's certainly very rare that a play is ever nominated. So it's not like it would have been as much of a snub as it, as it is toward Lightning Thief. Correct. That, that's exactly correct. So do you think that original musicals are dying off? Because the three musicals that are up all used jukebox or previously found music. So do you think original musicals are in a flux right now? Uh, No, I don't. I I don't think that they're in flux any more than the theater business just being closed in general. If you look at what audiences have really responded to as far as buying tickets in the past, in the most recent years, you had Hamilton was obviously the biggest. And then Dear Evan Hansen, completely original, no star, not a jukebox, original score. This is what people are spending hundreds of dollars a ticket for. Gentleman's Guide falls into that as well. Sure. But I mean, Gentleman's Guide, of course, it absolutely does. And that was a great show. And, you know, but that was not like a hit. I'm talking about like these mega hits. The juggernauts, yeah. 
but and I hear people say, well, Broadway, it's you know, it's Vegas, it's becoming, it's all jukebox. I'm like, yeah, but the audiences really do still crave, and they are showing this with what they're paying for, an original musical. Mm-hmm. Because look at their when it's done well, Hamilton and Evan Hansen, people are willing to come out of the work to come see it. So I don't I think the narrative that they only want jukebox musicals is false and also it's not really fair. I, I think that's I think it's not correct. But I do think that producers are putting out more jukebox or well-known material instead of original musicals. I, I I do think there's an imbalance there. It's much safer. Yeah. Because Dear Evan Hansen was an incredible gamble. When they were doing that show originally, there was no no one wasn't Ben Platt was not famous in that show. It was, an, it was a creative team that, you know, we knew in the theater community, but was not known internationally like maybe they are now. Right. And it was a show about teen suicide. I mean, the, 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 there were so many risks. There, there was so much at stake to put that on Broadway. Like that really could have bombed, not because it wasn't good, but because you could look at that as a producer and say, we have no one famous. We don't have a title anyone's heard of, and it's about kids killing themselves. I mean... Who the hell wants to go to that? So it, it involves a good amount of risk. I just, I don't really think it's that the musical is dying off. I just think that there aren't that many good ones that people are willing to spend that kind of money for. It's really, really hard to write a good musical, as has been. Yeah, and, and it takes a long time to do it. Correct. Now, with that date in mind, you know, March 12th, which is when actually everything shut down, could they have stuck with that and used uh, video footage or had had the previews and, and made that count? Is there a way that they could have made it work with a March 12th date? I don't think so, because how, you can't guarantee that Tony Tony nominating committee saw it. The Tony nominating committee is a very elite group of people in that it's not a huge group. Well, according to Variety magazine, there are more than 850 Tony voters, but the actual nominating committee only has 54. But that's a group of like previous Tony winners and it's people from all departments. You got lighting design, uh, Tony past winners and uh, set design and orchestrator. You know, there's a, it's a pretty great group of people in Tony nominating committee. So if they didn't get to see it, then it's just not fair. You know, but 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 do you think they could have used video or recordings or anything like no, that? No, because you can't you can't judge someone's lighting design off of a video. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And you also shouldn't really, and for that matter, you shouldn't really judge someone's live performance off of a video either. But it's you're you're evaluating. This is it's the Tony Awards. It's the awards for live theater. It's not right to show it to someone on a video and expect them to evaluate it for a Tony Award. It's just it, it, otherwise you'd be giving them an Oscar or an Emmy. It's, it's not meant to be done on screen and it can't be evaluated on screen. So I don't know what the solution was. This was a really hard situation because I think a lot of people were deserving of accolades. At the same time though, it just sucks that it, it was like winning the gold medal in the Olympics when all the other athletes bus broke down. <laughs> right. Yeah. It doesn't matter how slow you ran, you still got the gold medal. And that, you know, what do you do? You can't cancel the race. Yeah, true. 
So what do you think this is going to say for next year's Tonys, if if there is one? Because as of right now, it doesn't look like Broadway is going to open up till fall of 21, maybe summer, fall of 21, which would be after the season anyway. So, so that then, means that we're talking June of 2022. Right, would be the next Tony Awards. Yeah. And they're certainly not going to go back and pick up any shows that opened or were part of this season. Unless they open again, right? Well, unless, right, unless they reopen. Like, I, I think, you know, if Six and the company revival and uh, Girl from North Country, and I think if all of those shows come back, then of course they will be eligible for the next one. Right. Given the cast may be dead from old age. But, <laughs> right. but I think that, yeah, of course, that they will be, everyone will be eligible if you open a railway for the Tonys. But but we're, but the awards won't be for the for the following June. Yeah, it's also it's also why they had to do something now for this one because otherwise you would be voting on Tina Turner the musical in June of 2022. I mean, like it, it, people would be like, "What did I see that?" You, you know what I mean? Like it would be so yeah. it would be two years after the fact. So, so you definitely think they should have had the Tony Awards this year. Like maybe they should have done it in the summer whenever, whenever they actually set that February 19th date. But I don't think they should have had them. I think that they should have done some acknowledgement of what they thought was excellent. I think it's an unprecedented situation, and I think it should have been handled in an unprecedented way. While the Drama Desk Awards also had nominees and winners like the Tony Awards are doing this year, the Outer Critics Circle took a different approach to their awards. Like most, they postponed their awards at first, but once they realized the shutdown wasn't going to be temporary, they decided to move forward in a way that was respectful to both the theater industry and the outside world. Quote, by creating a sense of communal joy at a time when we all need it most. So the Outer Critics Circle, also celebrating their 70th anniversary, made the decision to forego the competition aspect and have the organization's members determine up to five names in each of their 26 categories. There would be no winners, only a list of honorees. And they ended up announcing these honorees on their original reveal date back in May. Now, one way the Outer Critics Circle differ from the Tonys is that they include both Broadway and off-Broadway shows. But this year, there was another key difference. The Outer Critics Circle eligibility date was set at March 6th, allowing for almost 170 productions to be considered, including a host of those not eligible for the Tonys, like West Side Story. However, just like the Tonys, the Lightning Thief was once again shut out completely. I gotta tell you, I would love to have been a fly on the wall as the Tony nominating committee was figuring out their own approach to these awards. I think it would have involved a lot of discussion, but I think if it was, not that it would ever be up to one person. I'm sure that they all didn't agree on this, by the way. Like we're all, oh. we're, we're all sort of, we're like, Shame on you, Tony committee. But I'm like, do you think they all agreed? You know, they were in the, I mean, I'm sure they couldn't agree on anything about how to do this. I'm sure, I'm sure there were plenty of Tony nominating committee, plenty that said, don't do it. There's no way that at least half of them probably didn't want to even do this in the first place. And I'm sure half of them disagreed with nominating one person for best actor. Like, you know, it, it must've been a mess. 
I, I think if I were on the Tony, Tony nominating committee, I would have voted to give some recognition to the people that deserved it, but not do a whole Tony awards. Yeah. A Tony citation or something. Something. I, I don't <laughs> something. know. I, but again, I, I really, I keep saying this, but I feel for them because it's a really, it's a no win. Yeah. It's a no win situation. If they had done nothing, that wouldn't have really been right either. So I, I don't envy the position they were in to have to figure this out. Normally, the announcement of Tony nominees is met with excitement and predictions. But did you see the headlines after this year's nominations came out? I mean, some of them used words like erratic and shocking. The Washington Post, for example, said the Tony nominations have been announced and they are the weirdest ever. Theater Mania wrote, The Tonys point a middle finger at the lightning thief. (laughs) Boy, did they ever. The New York Post simply put it, The 2020 Tony Award nominations were weird and sad. And that's so, you see, that's part of the reason why I think the instinct to do it in the first place was wrong, because that's so unfair to someone like Danny Burstein, who is going to win a Tony this year and has by the way, deserved to win a Tony about 600 other times and never has. And now he's nominated and they're like, the sad Tony nominations. I'm like, you know, F off. Because it's just not, and I also felt the same with Mary Louise Parker, Adrian Warren. They all deserve to win Tonys. Orrin Patton, all of them. I mean, like, I, I, you know, and I just don't think it's right to say it's the lame Tonys when they deserve to win a real one. Right, there's been a hashtag going around called the Tiny Awards instead of Tony Awards. I actually thought maybe Aaron Tveit, it would have been really interesting. I know he's not going to do this. I'm sure he probably isn't allowed to if he wanted to. What would have happened if he said, I'm declining this nomination? Yeah, yeah, I thought about that too. If he just said, I'm honored, I'm, you know, I'm so honored to have the nomination, but I'm going to decline it. Um, I think that actually would have propelled him mm-hmm. further. I think if I think he would have been so in the news for being the great American hero to theater, if he just said, "Thank you so much, I won't, I can't accept this," and to not take the Tony, that would have been insane. But it would have been so, I think, classy and elegant, and just made him look fucking great. By the way, I like Aaron Tveit a lot, so I'm not saying I love him. Yeah, I and next to normal, he was fantastic. So I I love his work, and he's also a good human being too. Like he's, he's a good guy. People like working with him and I, I know him, you know, sort of, we're not close friends, but we have worked together. Yeah. Like he's, he's a really good guy. So I, I never, I, I refuse to ever speak ill of him because he, as I said, when we started this conversation, he doesn't deserve to have anything said bad about him for this. When the nominations came out, Aaron Tveit and all the nominees released their statements and reactions. Tveit said, It's a huge honor and I am so grateful to be nominated. It's also vitally important to highlight that this recognition represents collectively thousands of hours of work by hundreds of individuals working on Moulin Rouge the musical. All the brilliant craftspeople, technicians, stagehands, and crew that run our show night to night, those in the front and back of the house, inside and outside our stage doors, our incredible audience and fans, and of course, the cast, creative team, and producers. 
A day hasn't gone by since the shutdown began that I haven't missed the theater and I look forward to when we can all return. I hope this can be a positive lift amidst an industry shutdown with an ever-changing timeline, as well as a reminder of the power of live theater and what it can do for us as individuals and for our world. Now that was a very nicely worded sentiment gracious and acknowledged the full team of people that went into making Moulin Rouge happen. It gave mention to the shutdown, but I gotta say, it still seemed a bit disconnected from the moment, like a publicist wrote that. I mean, he's the only nominee. Worth mentioning, maybe? It was just a little too verbose and robotic in its language. Like, like it couldn't have been written any old year. Like, it's just a regular Tony Award season. Did you read all of the responses from everybody? They all sounded like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all sounded like someone else wrote it mm-hmm. in another time. That's exactly correct. And I, they, I just didn't believe that any of them actually said what they wrote. I've read them in the past, and normally they're like, I'm freaking out. I'm in the bathroom screaming, you know, like something like that. And, and, this right. year, and this year they were like, I just want to take a minute to acknowledge the American theater wing and how grateful it was very formal and very, right? it, it, it was weird. It was like, it felt very, um, it seemed like the American theater wing wrote them. That's, I think that they did. And I think that they probably signed it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, it's like yeah. when Mike Tyson writes an autobiography, it, so, someone wrote it and then he said, okay. Yeah, it just it just seemed strange. Yeah, I thought so too. So, I, I guess we should get to who do we think is going to to win these? You know, we talked Aaron, Aaron Tveit, right? Right. That I think that's the only one that we can almost certainly guarantee. But as far as the musicals that are up, it's Tina Turner, Moulin Rouge, and Jagged Little Pill. There you go. To me, there's no. I don't see too many surprises happening in any in any of the categories. Well. The design categories, I have no idea because that's always a tough one to call. But the major categories, directing, and I, I think there's no question. I mean, best musical will be Moulin Rouge. Actress will be Adrian Warren, without a doubt. Um, actor will be Aaron Tveit. I think um, featured actor will be Danny Burstein, as sure as the day is long. There's zero no, percent chance for anybody else, and. Um, I best featured actress is a little more complicated, but I would say 98% Lauren Patton, uh, who's not my sister, by the way. People have asked me if we're related. We look nothing alike. Lauren Patton for Jack Little Pill. I, I would be I would be shocked if she did not win. So plays kind of outweighed musicals this year as far as nominations, as far as you know, great stuff that that came out. And, sh- and was deserving. Even without the other plays that were supposed to open this fall, they were, it was a really good category. Yeah, yeah, it was a strong category. Like there were some performances in plays that I saw that were totally deserving of a nomination that didn't get nominated this year because mm. the category was so intense. So it was definitely a strong year for plays, even though it was shortened. If, it had, if the plays this spring had opened, it would have been the most insane year for plays ever. Because it was already an insane category and we didn't get half of the nominations available. We didn't even open Laurie Metcalf in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, who you know she was going to win the third Tony in four years for that. Right, yeah. It's the Laurie Metcalf Repertory Theater. She was in a, she's in a play on, the, on 45th Street every spring. 
and she wins a Tony. Deserving, if she if she's listening, oh, she's she, always deserving. If she's listening. She deserves all of them, and then one more after that. The sheer fact that she wakes up every day should get a Tony Award yes. as just a thank you. Just brush, um, brushing her teeth is a nomination, <laughs> right? And and speaking of someone who's always nominated, Audra McDonald, of course, Frankie and Johnny. Yeah. Do you think that she got the nomination because of who she is? No, or? she was brilliant. I, I saw that she could win. I mean, she always could win. She was superb in that show and very different. That production was beautiful. And she was transformative in that performance. It was nothing, she completely shed her normal elegance and regal quality that she sort of has when she's on stage as a singer. And she was sort of gritty and down, and she was unbelievable. The fact that Michael Shannon did not get a nomination, I don't know who else is in that category, but that should indicate also how ridiculous that category must have been because he was also amazing. So, you know, it's a crazy, that was a really, must have been a great year. And do you think that the nominations that were there, particularly in the, in the play category, because along with the pandemic, there, this is, there've been a lot of social and racial unrest and issues that have come up both in the country, but also in theater. Do you think these Tony Awards gave an acknowledgement of that in some way? I mean, there's slave play, obviously, which racked up, you know, the most of any play ever. But beyond that, do you think? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think that they just picked who they thought were the strongest ones. I don't think there was any um, affirmative action when it came to Tony votes. And there weren't enough nominees for the musicals for anybody to argue anything. Of course. Yeah. No one was going to say, oh, why weren't there more of X, Y, and Z when they nominated everything that was open? I don't think the Tonys do that. You know what I mean? I, I think that Tony, I think there's, this is made up of a committee of other Tony, past Tony winners and theater artists. And I think that they really go with their, with who is deserving. And I think as we've seen many times, the people that are most deserving are women and people of color. Yeah. So we don't have to give them a leg up because they don't need it. You know, they're, I mean, they, they are absolutely deserving of any awards that they've gotten. Is anyone going to, I mean, Audra McDonald has the most Tonys of any living actor. Right. Is anyone going to say she got them because she was black or a woman? No, no one's saying that. Trust me. Cause no it's one. also, it's just not true. It's just, uh, it's right. objectively false. So no, I don't think so. I, I, I don't. Uh, I don't think, especially not this year. I don't think anyone catered to that. Nor did they really need to, because as you said, there was a strong showing of plays that that had a, a list of nominations that could have gone out to even more than they had. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Do you think that the reaction so far of Broadway of well, it'll be January? No, it'll be spring, summer. And now fall is when it's looking. Do, do you think that that it's right that it keeps pushing it? What do you mean? Is it right? Do you agree with that response? That's basically what I'm trying to say. Um, not entirely. I, I think that there could be much more proactive work happening than there is, as opposed to just saying shut down, shut down, shut down. They're not taking any steps to reopen. None. They're just they're just delaying until you can just go back at full capacity. No one's talking about ventilation systems. I mean, it's just, or, I mean, if they are, they're not talking about it publicly. Right. Maybe they're happening in closed meetings, but there's no, where, where is the community? Where, where is the head of our industry getting out there being like, here's the plan. 
here's what we're doing. Here's the steps. Here's option A. Here's option B. It's just, it's dead silence. There's nothing, there's no conversation about it. I, I really believe after this last announcement that it's going to be until June 30th. I think a lot of people left the business that day. I really do. Mm-hmm. Not me, but I, but I do think a lot of people left because I think that was the point they said, I'm going to have to do something else in the interim. And if I'm going to do something else, I may as well just mm, do something else. Yeah. So do you think that the pandemic itself will affect how shows are produced or made once we do reopen again? Or do you think it's just going to go back to the same old, same old normal once we're back? I mean, I feel like you have to know what I'm going to say, which is that it's going to change it in every capacity. And I think it's going to change it more than we think. Hmm. Not, not only is it going to change it, I think it's going to be beyond. I, I don't know how it's going to change it yet. A lot of people, of course, think that they know, but I don't think we will really know how it's going to change it until we look back in history, you know, 25 years from now. We'll, we'll say, here's, what, here's the direction it went. My instinct right now tells me that people are going to want comedies and happy shows when we're coming out of this. I don't think people are going to want um, overly woke political theater. I think that we have been so overly saturized with that in the media and the news on social media. We're going to really want theater to be an escape. That's just my gut instinct, but... There's no way of knowing. You know, Mamma Mia, a lot of people say, was an international phenomenon because of 9-11. Mamma Mia opened like about a week before 9-11 or something like that. Right, right, yeah. And that show just became a huge, huge hit. And people have always speculated, was it because of 9-11 that Mamma Mia just took off? Because it required, it was not political. It required no critical thinking. It didn't have any agenda politically people went insane for it it was just a party that was it yeah and it was such a relief so same with the you know the producer is open a little bit like that but that spring before 9-11 right yeah yeah you know people just wanted the producers they wanted mama mia that, that, those were the two hits of that year i wonder if we'll see the same thing they're going to want a christmas carol i think they're going to want Music Man, honestly, I think they're. I think these. Oh, oh yeah, these are. Yeah, these I, think, are, I think Music Man will be huge when it, they'll be ready. Oh yeah, it was going to be huge regardless. But I think it might be really huge now. For me, I I hope that the the pandemic will show producers two things that that maybe it doesn't need to cost thirty million to put on a musical. That that maybe there's a way that we can cut these costs and and you know because I think that's one of the things that's keeping shows from yeah it's it's not being able to sell tickets not being able to make a million dollars a week to keep a show running so they're just not going to do it so i think that's part of it and then secondly um i i hope that video as we're now having to do with online stuff that video will start to incorporate and equity and sag will get their act together and be able to work together and and make theater have a video component when it, it services and when it's uh, appropriate. It's interesting. I, but when theater has a video component, is it still theater or is it now video? Well, I think that the music industry 
that a that, that a song, a pop song, is still a musical piece, even though it has a music video. It's still it's still that the, the song, the lyrics, the the composition of the melody is still the essential element, mm-hmm. even though you've now added a video part to it. Yeah, I'm really, I really, I was asking that because that wasn't rhetorical. I mean, I. I wonder, yeah, what, I, I don't know. I mean, people still go to football games, even though you can watch one on TV. Yeah. It never, televising sports never stopped people from going in person. I, I agree with you that there is something special that is a stage production that isn't TV or film. So yes, that is correct. And I, and I don't think that's ever going to change. No. But I, but I hope that equity in particular can start to embrace when things can be on video, when things can be, you know, performed in New York, but yet someone in Iowa can see it or, or vice versa. It's going to change for sure. You're, I agree with you. It's because this is happening whether we like it or not. Right. So we just got to figure out how it's going to work. There's, we've, we've opened up, we've uncorked the bottle. You know what I mean? It's, it's, we're not going back. So I'll be curious to see. Well, the 2021 Broadway season is already underway as the Tony Awards prepare to finally honor the 2020 season. Now, some of the shows that closed last year have already reopened. Big hits like Town, Waitress, Hamilton, The Lion King, and Wicked. Then there's the new shows for this upcoming season, like Passover, Lackawanna Blues, David Byrne's American Utopia, and the much-anticipated opening of Six which had actually started preview performances last season, but Broadway shut down the very night it was to have opened. So this fall holds a lot of anticipation and probably expectation of what many of us hope will be a resurgence of theater and the welcoming back of the bright lights of Broadway. Well, I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, still waiting for my own Broadway debut. But for now, I've got this podcast where I handle all of the writing, editing, producing, and marketing of each episode. Publicity provided by Imagine PR Group. Incidental music in this episode by Chad Crouch. Why I'll Never Make It is a part of the Helium Radio Network and a member of the Broadway Makers Alliance. Join me next time with Misty Rosas as we talk more about Why I'll Never Make It. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.